This is your host, Pete Moore, and I am pleased and humbled to announce the launch of my one and only book, Time to Win Again, 52 Takeaways from Playing and Watching Team Sports to Ensure Your Business Success. Those of you who know me personally and anyone who listens to Halo Talks for any length of time know that I am an avid sports fan and a big believer in the value of team sports. What I've seen over the past 25 years helping businesses grow, raising capital, being an entrepreneur myself, and coaching and mentoring executives in the sector, it's the lessons learned on the field perfectly apply to business. Entrepreneurs, executives, managers, you name it. Every company that's a strong company has got a good team. It's a quick read. There's awesome illustrations in there from our good friend, Mark, at Cruelty Free Cartoons. If you go to integritysq.com, enter your email address, and we will send you information on the book and the Entrepreneur's Survival Kit as well. Be great. Take names. Go Halo. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC on location, Dallas, Texas, with my good friend, Francesca Schuler, president, California Fitness Alliance. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Pete. Great to be here. Awesome. And actually great to see you in person. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So all those people that said we should work out in our homes and do Zoom calls for the rest of our lives, why don't you rethink that script? So we're going to talk Fitness Alliance, we're going to talk about political activism, and we're going to talk about getting people into the bricks and mortar. So why don't you just give you a quick background, personal background for the three people that don't know you, and we'll go from there. Uh, Great. Well, I joined the fitness industry about six years ago, so I'm relatively new to it, but was uh, most recently CEO of InShape Health Clubs, which is a large California multi-unit club company, uh, but really have also dedicated the last kind of 18 months, almost more than that now, Um, in addition to trying to navigate a company through uh, the pandemic to trying to create a unified voice for fitness in California. So uh, last April, when um, we shut down, well, we shut down in March, Randy Carr, who's the CEO of California Family Fitness, and I reached out to some other operators that we didn't even know necessarily personally, but said, we got to band together and take action because we're going to get completely forgotten in California. So that was my uh, other job for the past 18 months, and now I'm focusing on it uh, a little more full-time for the short term. Yeah, so, I mean, the irony is, you know, California, probably one of the healthiest states in, in, in the country and probably the biggest population of fitness enthusiasts, um, basically have not had a voice or, you know, really used their votes or dollars to make their businesses that they frequent essential. So what, what were some of the initial, you know, shocks to you on how this all played out? Well, a couple things. I think none of us really ever probably thought about the importance of being involved in policy uh, in this industry. We just didn't. I think we all focused on serving our members, building our teams, opening new doors. And it took this crisis to realize that businesses like the restaurant business and others have these amazing trade associations and they have a footprint nationally and at the state level. So I think... The shock to me was one, wow, this really matters. Two, we're at zero. We have literally no connections anywhere. Yeah. And how hard it is to get heard in an industry that's just trying to make people healthy. I mean, the biggest disconnect between public health in California, who would say exercise matters and just go run outside, 
with no consideration of the fact that so many communities, it's either too hot, in California it's too smoky, or people don't have feel safe uh, and need a place to go to work out that's safe. And so I was just surprised at how much it mattered, how far we have to go still to get heard, and how there's such a disconnect with policymakers and then what's really happening. Yeah. You know, the one thing uh, when people start to say, oh, Ursa should do this, Ursa should do that, it's like, well, we haven't provided them the capital or the resources to actually do this. We basically have asked them to do, be a data provider, you know, you know, get a membership base, um, have suppliers and, and, uh, and, and clients and customers, you know, connect. And that's kind of the extent of what Ursa was. So I, I was always kind of defending Ursa to the point of, well, if they had a $10 million budget and then we hit the pandemic and nothing happened, you know, that's a different conversation. So, you know, as we, as you kind of rolled forward in California, what were some of the steps that were successful so other people in other states could say, hey, this is a, a path yeah. to, to getting a voice heard? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, California is probably the toughest state to have been operating in. So we definitely had some highs and lows and still do. I think the things that we have done that have worked really well in California is one is we are very inclusive. So on our advisory board, we have regional players, we have national players, we have single club owners and boutique owners. Mm -hmm. So we're really representing all parts of fitness. Uh, and we've been very clear about this is anyone and everyone who's involved in fitness. So I think that's been really good. We have not focused just on club owners. We've been really active with studios, CrossFit boxes, et cetera. So I think that's been a big success for us. I think the second has been to stay apolitical. It's been an emotional time. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of anger out there on all sides and we have done everything we can to be neutral. You have to work with whatever administration you have. So whatever your political views, you have to put those aside when you're mm -hmm. advocating for all these people who lost their jobs. Um, so that's worked well for us. Um, we, you know, we had to, we had a really good relationship initially when we first launched it, then went completely radio silent due to some public health changes in the California administration. We ended up having to use a legal action. We sued to try and get attention. Mm -hmm. That worked. Would not recommend that. It's really expensive, but it was the only avenue we had. The good news is the net result of that is we now have direct line to the administration. We have their commitment to establish a state council on physical fitness and mental well-being. So I love that we're now marrying mental and physical mm -hmm. together because that's what exercise helps with. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're doing a great grassroots campaign now, really educating everybody on the faces of California fitness. So we have all these little videos that we're shooting to having people tell their story. So if anyone who's listening want to have their story told, we'd love to have a conversation with you and shoot it. And we've been sending that to all of our politicians at the state level, at the national level to just meet us, let mm -hmm. us know. We are real people with real jobs and who have lost a lot and we need, uh, want a voice at the table. Yeah. So during the pandemic, I, uh, I listened to a podcast series. Uh, it was called Gangster Capitalism and it was about the National Rifle Association and the average donation to the NRA is uh, $40. Uh, and they've got like a $96 million, you know, political action committee and they, they make things, they make things happen uh, or not happen, right, in their, in their favor. Um, do you see going forward a group of bricks and mortar fitness equipment companies, you know, Peloton, iFit, Nautilus, and, and kind of turn the fitness alliance into like, hey, we're going to do everything we can and kind of broaden our 
mission statement, maybe even at the URSA level or whatever the name change is in the California Fitness Alliance, to say, okay, here's who else wants the same things we want? How, how do you think about that as you kind of, you've already expanded the bricks and mortar spectrum, but like, does, is there another layer to this that brings in more advocates and more money? Great question. So a couple um, things on that. One is we very much want to follow the restaurant association model, which has a very strong national association, which is what I know Liz Clark will be leading with the National Health and Fitness Alliance. That's essential. And we also want to follow them in that they have a very strong state level um, and even at the big city level. So I think the restaurant association is a great playbook for us. Mm -hmm. And so we see collaborating very closely at the national level and then having our role be the state level. So it needs to be a partnership. This can't, we can't compete with each other. We need one voice at the city, county, state level. From a funding and expansion standpoint, you know, we've, we have ACE IDEA on our um, advisory board. So again, trying to bring in that group, but would love to actually see this become health and fitness and include some mental wellness groups as well, Mm -hmm. because ultimately we're all trying to solve the same thing. And so if we can unite together and become part of the healthcare ecosystem and conversation, that's gonna be the win. So absolutely, we wanna be as inclusive as possible. The the name of the game here is uh, advocacy and um, unity uh, Mm -hmm. as effectively as possible. I mean, it's interesting when you look at an industry that only has, you know, 15% take rate, you know, throughout the population. So the more advocacy, everybody's going to win. It's not, it's not like a pie that we've got to slice and dice. And I don't want to have you, you know, in my ecosystem because you're going to potentially take market share away from me. So I think we've kind of solved like level step one is like, let's all work together. Trust me. It's like, it's better for everyone. But then the second question is, you know, how much of this turns from money and advocacy into votes? I don't know the answer to that. I wish I did. I think what I have learned in this process is that everyone who goes into politics is looking for support and votes. So part of our role, and I know the National Restaurant Association does this, is going to be contributing at the local level and at the state level and at the national level to campaigns. That's essential. And there's definitely leaders in our industry who have been very vocal about the importance of that, and I definitely agree with them. Um, I think the, the good news for us is we are a positive prevention business. And we, that isn't landing loud enough with people yet, but I think once it does, everyone's gonna be like, well, we got to support these people because they're trying to make the world a healthier place. Right. Uh, and to your point, there's such a small group of people in the country actively exercising, which is the sad part about that is obesity, you know, heart disease, diabetes, all the issues we're well aware of. So I think creating an education campaign on the importance of exercise is going to be a big part of what we're going to have to do. Think like your brain on drugs from the drug. Yeah, uh, the the fried egg egg thing, got milk, uh, you know, really educating that moving is important. I think ACE is doing a great job with their Get Moving campaign. Uh, We'd love to help. We're partnering with them on that. We'd love to see that get louder. And so education needs to be part of our mission as well. One of the things that came up yesterday, I brought it up because I got a lot of ideas. Not many of them are awesome, but there are a few. Um, one of the ideas I had was, what if we take everyone to, for your, your California Fitness Alliance as, as an example, and here's all the congressmen and women that support the Gyms Act, and here's the ones that don't. And then like for the week before voting, we've got a big screen TV, and it shows here's the names, not political, doesn't matter what party they are, but they support us or they don't support us. Maybe there's some kind of 
peer pressure. Leaderboard. You know, leaderboard. Yeah, leaderboard or like you're not on the leaderboard at all. And, and then the other so that's one idea. So why don't you respond to that? Just say yes or no, and then yeah, we'll I move on to the like next thing. I think that's important. Actually, people want to know, and you realize. I mean, I didn't. And you know. don't. I mean, how do you? How would you, you find out? You like, don't know people's um, area. point of view, but once you dig into it, you can find out. Yeah. So I love the idea of saying, you know, we're a loud and important group, and uh, we're gonna, you know, vote with those that support us to yeah. some degree. I mean, look, there's 62 million people, you know, pre-COVID, and you know, probably 52 million now or something. We'll get back the rest. Um, but if we actually had like a voting syndicate, you know, like the NRA, and I, I want, I'm going to send you this link cause it's fascinating how it's basically like an organized crime syndicate is what the NRA was. <laughs> Something we should just do the NFA and you should, you know, you protect your guns or we'll protect our guns. You know, my biceps <laughs> that are like not that big. Um, but, but I feel like there's gotta be some kind of movement towards like, Hey, we're not only giving you money, but I got like 6,000 members here and actually 5,500 of them actually vote. <laughs> You know, we got a. I'm sure we have a pretty active voting community. You yeah, know, when I'm you sure think about we people do. I mean, well, and we will now. After this, everyone realizes how much. I mean, you truly know your vote matters now. Yeah, so exactly. I think we do. I think the other thing that is important is we need to be viewed as experts. So what we saw happen with a lot of under other industries is people would reach out to their industry association to ask their opinion on things. We are now moving into that position in California, which has been great. There's mm -hmm. been a few things that. They've called us and said, what do you guys think? What would be the impact on your business if this type of decision was made? And so we're early days, but part of being uh, a strong advocacy organization is being viewed as the go-to expert on a variety of topics. Right. And so that's something that uh, would encourage everyone to try and build a relationship so we have that expertise. I want to take a minute and tell our audience about two awesome workout recovery products I've been using for the last 18 months from HigherDose.com, leader in infrared technology for athletes like all of us are. We're an investor in the company. That's not why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this because it works. You got an infrared sauna blanket. I hop in there, I'll listen to some podcasts, burn 800 calories, get a mad detox, and a PEMF, which is a pulsed electromagnetic field crystal mat that I lay on and I recalibrate my cells to the normalized level of the earth. If you got somebody you like and you're looking for a pretty awesome gift, they will love it. You could use this code HALO75, get $75 off and you will not be disappointed. HigherDose.com, promo code HALO75. 75, and now let's get back to our regularly scheduled program. So you're uh, you're a marketing guru yes. since since your inception into the onto the planet. How important does names matter and slogans matter, and how much more should we spend time on that? So uh, thank you, guru. Maybe a slight exaggeration, but thank you, Pete. Um, Expert. I, it Expert. matters in a huge way. The, the storytelling and um, who we are and what we stand for, how we tell that story is essential. And I'll just give you a good example. If you look at most of the imagery around the fitness industry that is out there, Google fitness industry, look at everyone's ad campaign, it shows the top of the pyramid, people who are ultra fit. Yeah high performance athletes, which makes us look very exclusive as an industry, therefore makes us look less essential. 
if our messaging was point. out there and we yeah, were showing, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, this is essential for the top 10%. So exactly. it's not essential. It's not essential. And yeah. so that's on us. And yeah. so, you know, one of the things that we were really proud of at InShape is we never used models. We always were very democratic in all imagery we put out there because we wanted everyone to feel invited. But would love to see us as, as an industry. Uh, focus less on vanity and more on health. And yeah. I did this presentation on the future of fitness. I use the example of uh, pharmaceuticals. So pharmaceuticals is treatment, it's not prevention. Boy, you watch one of their ads, they show people you know, running through the fields, having this amazing day and saying, if you just take this little pill, this could be you. We put image out there that's like, if it's not 100 burpees, you're not good enough. Yeah, or it's like zero down, you know, and... and you know, free for the rest of the year. Exactly. Like, tell me like what the benefits are. And the funny thing about the pharmaceutical industry is they got to spend 30 seconds on how good it is and 30 seconds on how bad it is exactly. for you. And then I'm like, I'd just rather have the ailment. Like, I don't want all these, these side, side effects. effects. It's terrible. Exactly. So I, you know, I use beauty as another category. Beauty's all about kind of hope in a bottle. Um, we need to show hope in the industry. We need to put image out there that if you move and if you get stronger, you will be healthier and you will live longer yeah. and have that be the face of the industry versus if you don't work out this hard, you're kind of a loser. So yeah. I would encourage all of us to think about that and think about how we talk about ourselves, uh, the stories we tell and the imagery we put out there to make sure everyone understands how essential we are. Yeah. You know, one of the things not to um, look, I'm obviously 100 percent supportive of the of the Jim's Act. But if I was a congressman or congresswoman and somebody came to me and said, hey, you want to support the Jim's Act? My instinct is. My high school gym that smells like a high school gym that has the locker rooms that have been there since 1974. And I don't, that doesn't resonate with me. I, I don't know if that's essential, right? So if I think you and I spoke about this yesterday, if this was called like the health protection program, okay, how can I be against the health protection program? Like doesn't, that, that seems like mean and like sinister like you have like you have to be pro health and then from a standpoint of these pharmaceuticals to go back to that for a second i feel like you shouldn't be allowed to take those medications unless you go to the a fitness center for eight weeks and then take your results again and then see because we can solve pretty much all these yeah, problems that people lot, have it's crazy lot. yeah i totally agree so i do think storytelling and imagery matters i think as a industry, we have a ways to go there. And I love to see the conversations that we're all having now and how we're working together to get that prevention message out there because there's a billions of dollars spent on treatment. Um, but we could take all those resources and redeploy them to something else if we could just focus on prevention and keep people healthier. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in a, uh, you know, one of these pharmaceutical drug launches and then looking at their gross margins of, you know, 97% and then saying like, hey, if we get somebody on this uh, Lipitor, like they're on here like forever, right? So Correct. like, what's my attrition rate on a health club versus my attrition on a, like a Lipitor? Like they got a big advantage. They do. Well, you know, it's interesting. I just interviewed a studio owner who started a studio because he was working for a pharma company and he st was in a big, you know, meeting with, I don't know, thousands of people and the head stood up and said, healthy people don't make us money. And he was like, I got to go do something else. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so I think, you know, we need to change the conversation on that and really focus on how important and how much money we can save by people exercising, getting healthier. Yeah. So, so kind of flipping back to, to Ursa and the alliances, I think the elephant in the room that I want to address here is Planet Fitness has 15 million members. Orange Theory has at least a couple million. 
Lifetime just went public. They obviously are part of Ursa. LA Fitness kind of, you know, does their own thing. I love them to death, you know, because they're by a lot of companies that we sell. Um, but we're starting an industry association and we're like missing five of the top 10 providers. And I'm just trying to figure out what do they want that we don't want? Or why do they feel the need to go lone wolf when the pie is just going to get bigger? So I'm just, uh, maybe you have some insight into that because I'm, uh, I'm knocking my head against the wall trying to figure out what they, why they won't embrace this yet. Yeah, I can't answer at the national level. I know a lot of people are having really good conversations on this, trying to create one voice. I know in California, we have an Orange Theory. The biggest Orange Theory franchisee in California is on our advisory board. Okay. 24 is on our advisory board. So I think one of the things, as I said earlier, we have worked really hard to be inclusive. Uh, And so honestly, I think some of it's also, you know, what I learned during this pandemic is you have to assume goodwill and give people grace. So there's probably some good reasons why we're still not as united as we need to be. And my hope though is uh, in the next six months, everyone gets around the table. And I know that's a top priority right now for, for Liz, the new CEO of URSA. And in California, we're doing everything we can to help as well. So, yeah. and um, I'm not knocking any of those groups. I'm sure, you know, if you say, hey, I'm in crisis management mode, you know, how do I go direct, yeah. right? So I'm, I, I get that part, yeah. but I'm saying long-term, if there's almost like a 10 commandments of, Here's what URSA stands for. Here's what the California Fitness Alliance, and here's like the what we are going to advocate for and get policy change on. I can't see somebody coming and saying like, I don't agree with those. Or Agreed. if you want to, if you want to add something to that or, or delete it, let's have a, con- a conversation about it. I'm, pro- I'm I gotta feel like we'll get to a permanent commandment. Yeah, I'm. I feel very confident that. A year from now, if you and I are having this conversation, we will have made a lot of progress on this. I do think everyone understands the need. I think we're navigating the how. We're all kind of learning real time Mm -hmm. as well. But I think that uh, everyone wants the same thing and we've realized the importance of that. So it's just, um, it's a matter of time. I'm pretty optimistic. That's great. So from your standpoint, you know, how much time does it take? Is this like turned into somewhat of a full-time job and does it need to be a full-time job at the state level? Because I know a lot of Groups have, have bonded together. There's typically one person that's kind of the head of it. They also have a day job. They're probably an owner of a business and they're probably dealing with their own set of issues, you know, not just supporting the industry at large. So how do you think about what you do and, and what might be needed? Yep, I, I think to be successful, we're gonna, each state alliance is gonna need at a minimum one full-time person who mm-hmm. can walk the halls and shake hands. I mean, yeah. a lot of advocacy is building the relationships in the halls of you know, at Sacramento in our case and whatever your you know, um, state capital is. It's been a little bit weird during COVID because no one's, you know, in the office, right. but that's changing already. So we are working to figure out a way where we can have someone full-time and then still have a strong advisory board that has a lot of oversight and set strategy. Um, but uh, to be long-term and successful, the Restaurant Association, every single state version and national, they have multiple employees. Mm. So that's because it's an important and it's a day in, day out job. So 100%, I think the long-term success will require full-time staffing. That's great. For sure. So it sounds like there's you know a playbook you know in development that each one of these states and, and through URSA is kind of creating like a best practices and hopefully over the coming months and years, this kind of turns into a more formal structure. Um, the NR, the Restaurant Association seems to have a good template for success and, and we're kind of going to 
shoehorn ourselves in in, in under there. Yeah, uh, I, do, I think the good news is we're not starting from scratch. We can follow yeah. the National Restaurant Association playbook, which right. is great. I think the biggest issue is people paying dues, how it's funded. The really good news from all this, though, is the state alliances are collaborating and, in partnership with Earth and the National Health and Fitness Alliance. So we are daily sharing best practices. And so uh, we've talked about how we don't need to have each state doing certain activities. We could pool those together right. and share resources. So we have a ways to go. It's like a startup is the best way I can yeah, describe it. True. I feel that's like a sure. yeah. you know, association entrepreneur at the moment, uh, as do all the other alliances. We're going to add um, that to your, uh, your <laughs> arsenal of uh, weapons. But I think all of us who are involved, our board's amazing in California and, and in all the other states, I think we're we're starting a new concept. And yeah. so it's going to take a little while to get it right, but we're moving in the right direction. We've made a ton of progress. And uh, most of all, we're collaborating, which I think is transformational for this industry. Yeah. So leave us with a, uh, with a business quote or personal quote or some kind of motivational inspiration that you, uh, that you like. Well, the thing I would encourage people to do is it's been a really long, hard 18 months and uh, would encourage people to take time to be a little curious outside the industry. I think it's uh, just hard to be day in, day out grinding away. And so being curious is one of my core personal values. I like it. And I would leave people with, take a minute and be curious, go walk other categories, go visit hotels or retailers or something to get some inspiration mm -hmm. and kind of reset your own energy. Because in this industry, we've been slogging it out and we've got a ways to go. And so we've got to keep our own kind of juices flowing. And a great way to do that is to go get ideas from someone else. I like so it. I'd leave it with that. And I'll leave it with, it's time to win again. Book title and our pursuit in life. Just keep winning. All right, great to see you again. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Pete. Thanks and, for having uh, me. And appreciate all your work. See you soon. Bye.